Hey, everyone. Okay. I'm not even going to say welcome back to the Right Way Podcast because I'm so excited about today's two guests that I could scream. It is such a pleasure on this podcast when we get personal literary heroes to talk to as if it was just a regular, ordinary day. Today is one of those days. Today, Joe and I chat with writing duo Christina Lauren, Christina Hobbs, Lauren Billings, uh, known to the general public as the Dynamo Christina Lauren. They are the number one international best-selling co-author duo that writes young adult, adult fiction. I swear to God, they write romance and sex scenes better than any other writers I know. They have produced 17 New York Times bestselling novels. They're published in over 30 languages. They've received multiple starred reviews. They literally put out books that you just disappear into. Not only are they so relatable, especially when they dive into relationships, they're just fun. And I feel like we all need a little bit of fun in our lives, especially with everything that's been happening over the past couple of years. Um, today, we chat about their latest book, The Soulmate Equation, which is such a fun premise that we dive into. But I just wanted to take a moment before we dive into this fun interview and say how cool it is when we get to talk to people that we look up to, that we aspire to be like, And once we get into the conversation, we realize we all just really love the work. We all really love the writing. We all have our own ups and downs and hardships and challenges and successes. And I think the more we can start to normalize these huge bestselling authors on our own path, the more excited we'll feel about our journey because it's really not about the end result. Um, I think you'll feel that today when you hear just how lovely Christina Lauren actually is. Uh, So sit back and enjoy this incredible interview with the, I can't say one and only, Christina Lauren, because they're two people, the dynamo, the writing duo, Christina Lauren. Hey guys, welcome to Right Way, a podcast where we give you insight to make informed decisions about your writing career. I'm your host, Rhea Fry, multi-published author and CEO and founder of Right Way. And I'm Joe Tower, writer, media producer, and Right Way's executive editor. On this podcast, Rhea and I will take an inside look at the publishing industry with honest and straightforward shop talk. So when you do get published, you'll know exactly what to do the right way. So first of all, ladies, thank you so much for being here. I feel like I'm talking to literary royalty. So this is a big day for me. Um, Yes. Yes, it's true. But you've managed to write 26 books and sold over 2 million copies since 2013. Correct. Is that, is that correct? That is correct. Okay. That's like not only a dream, but also seems kind of incomprehensible, but I'd love for you both to kind of rewind just a bit and talk about not only how you became a writing duo, which is so fascinating in and of itself, but how does this logistically work between the two of you? Um, okay. So this is Lauren, the Lauren half, you'll get to know yeah. our voices. Um, and I, uh, why don't I do the little background spiel, yeah. Christina, and then you can take over how we do it. Does that work? 
Yeah. Um, well, I love that you guys are like doing it right now. I know, it's amazing. <laughs> Best. <laughs> this is so symbiotic. <laughs> I mean, it really is. It's sort of a story of serendipity in a lot of ways because Christina and I met, We she's in Utah and I'm in California and we were both writing fan fiction online. I had little kids and I wasn't sleeping well. And Christina had a, she was working at a junior high counseling office and she just kind of, she had just recovered from surgery. And so she was, had a lot of time on her hands. And um, we met in these, in forums, online writing stories. And she had a very big story. It was really popular. And I have a good friend who does all of the programming for San Diego Comic-Con. And he said, you know, why don't you put together a panel on fan work and fan art? And I was like, that's a cool idea. So I invited Christina out to San Diego and we met in person in the summer of 2009. And it was just, we just really hit it off. Like we're very different people. Um, I'm very neurotic. She's very chill and um, I'm really organized. And she's like a little more laid back in terms of that kind of stuff, but she works out really, really well. And I don't mean that she's messy. I just mean that she is much more of like a creative flow kind of person. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a, a nice, nice way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, it ended up being like this, thing that we did impulsively that we were only together for a week and we just said why don't we try writing a short story together for the fandom for like something online and we did that and it ended up being so fun that we decided to sort of try and write a book together and um I mean we didn't know each other that well you know we had met for just a few days but sometimes you meet somebody in your life and you just have a really good connection and you just trust that instinct and I think Mm -hmm. we did and then not only did we trust it, but we really put in the work. You know, we wanted this thing. We wanted the same kind of book. Um, we wanted to make readers laugh and swoon. And so we just kind of put our minds to it. I'm not saying it was easy because it was a long road to get to that first book published in 2013. But um, yeah, our start was very serendipitous and we definitely like grabbed it by the horns. That's amazing. I, it's th- funny. I broke my, um, like hurt my foot that weekend, just walking, not doing anything. And I was grumpy. And so it's almost like she saw me at my worst. Like <laughs> that that's weekend. for the best. Maybe you get that out of the way ahead of time. <laughs> Even grumpy, you were very cute. Oh man, you guys are the best. I, I have to say, I have to ask like, and you know, I think I'm curious not only about the process you guys go through of conceptualizing and 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 writing and editing a book, but you know I'm curious because I've uh, I lived in LA for ten years, wrote screenplays with writing partners, and it's man, it can be it's like a marriage, it's like <laughs> a relationship. So I think I have a twofold question: like, how do you maintain the writing process between the two of you, and how do you maintain the partnership, relationship, marriage aspect of, of, of your partnership as well? That's um, a question. So this is Christina. Um, <laughs> we make a point of putting just as much time into our friendship as we do our writing business partnership. That's been a little harder with the pandemic because we're spoiled and used to seeing each other a lot mm-hmm. um, and we haven't been able to until just recently um, but it's just as important that even if we weren't writing together we would still be best friends we, oh. she's Aww. my favorite person in the world her kids are like my kids uh, my daughter will like text her off to the side asking questions about stuff so it's not just um, about writing we like we genuinely love and adore each other 
Um, so when we write, I'm like, is that what I'm, is that what I'm answering is about how (laughs) we do it? (laughs) I mean, like, I, I almost think the funny thing is, is I almost think that that's the more important question is like, how do you guys maintain the friendship or the relationship when you're writing together? But yes, I'm also like, I think I'm also, and a lot of our listeners would be curious, like in terms of your process, then when you start to conceptualize and execute, how does it, how does it work? Does someone take a lead or do you guys? Yeah, Cause it's split so it seamless. I mean, yeah. I have to say like every time I read a book, I'm like, there's no way two people wrote this book. Like it is so seamless. So I'm like, does, does one author write one book and then one author writes another <laughs> collaborative? Like, how does it work? No. And I mean, honestly, um, again, this is Lauren. I, I, before I answer that, I do want to just pop into Christina's thing and say that part of it is that we've only ever written together. Mm-hmm. Like we wrote fan fiction alone, but it helps that there's no Lauren ego and there's no Christina ego. There's a Christina oh. Lauren ego. Yes. And so when it comes to maintaining the friendship, it is partly because nothing is personal. Like we mm-hmm. both want what is best for the brand or the books. And, um, you know, she has strengths that I don't have and I have strengths that she doesn't have. And so we can kind of do this together. And I think just sort of not being defensive about that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, but we always outline together in person and mm. um, we just have this, I don't know if it's like a chemistry thing or what, but it's so much more fun to do it in person. We usually put aside a few days and we outline over, you know, cooking meals and going out to lunches and going for walks or going to Disneyland or something where we're doing things and we're, it's kind of coming in and out of our conversation. Mm-hmm. And when we feel like we have a good sense of who these characters are and what we want them to do, we'll sit down and we usually make a spreadsheet that has like the different scenes and we kind of block out the big acts and then break that down into um, smaller pieces. Um, you make you make me want to like run out right now and get a best friend and write a partner <laughs> like right this very moment. <laughs> I mean, I will say there's something really lovely, and you know this if you worked with somebody, and you guys mm-hmm. feel this on the podcast mm-hmm. that you have this project that you're doing with somebody, and they are just as invested, and yes. they know exactly how you feel about every review or reaction or upcoming release or something that is sort of big for whatever that creative process is that their stress relates to your stress and they understand. Totally. And I think having that connection is really, it's huge for us. You know, a lot, point. writing can be very isolating. Yeah. And, we, we yeah. always laugh. We like, we always come back to like the CeeLo, like safe space. Yeah. <laughs> like we can say things to each other about anything and there's no judgment that we wouldn't say to anyone else. And that's mm-hmm. so important. Oh, so important. And I mean, when you were first conceptualizing your debut, so let's take it back to 2013, like how did you both go about getting an agent as a a writing duo? And what was that process like from concept to having your book sold? Well, it's funny because, um, you know, we both, we came from fan fiction and so, um, being collaborative was just normal to us. Um, But we didn't know how the rest of the world was going to take the fact that we had started writing fan fiction. So we didn't really like mention it much at first. We um, deleted our old Twitters that had a lot of followers, but we were like, we're going to be serious business. So, you know, we got to do this together. We started a Twitter account together. You know, we did all these things and um, we queried a YA book was the first book that we 
um, finished and it was just a bunch of skinny dipping and, you know, paranormal romance. And it took us about a year to get an agent. And um, when we got our agent, we, so we were, we got an offer. And then as soon as you get an offer, you tell every, you know, you let everyone else know who has a full, Hey, I've got an agent, um, you know, just FYI. And Holly Root, who was one of our like dream yeah. agents had said, Hey, could you give me a week to read? And so she offered, and it ended up being crazy because the, the original offer we received was just for YA. And as you, you know, you know, that is not the path that our career took. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, so it would have been something totally different. But what's funny is, you know, around that time, Fifty Shades was really big. Yeah. And um, because I had written uh, a Twilight fanfic that was very popular and very sexy and stuff, I had people comment, you know, coming to me and emailing me, asking me if I was ever going to do anything with it. And I was like, no, it's no, no. Sidebar here that 50 Shades of Grey was originally Twilight fan fiction. Yes. So that, if you yeah. don't know that, right, then, right, right, okay. right. <laughs> that, that, that helps. Um, yeah. And I was like, no, no, no. People have already read it, you know, I, and I would never want to just put something out that I, they've already read for free. Um, well, then um, we found out that somebody had taken my fan fiction and was attempting to shop it around to publishers. They had just changed the names. <gasps> so we oh had to God. tell Holly, <laughs> Holly, so here's the thing. Um, we wrote fan fiction and, uh, you know, we had big stories. And now it turns out that like people know about this one and are trying to publish it. And she thought it was so funny. I mean, the thing that she, she was like, so what you're telling me is you were sort of a big deal online. <laughs> and, and, um, we were like, uh, maybe. Um, and so she was like, that's not a problem. You know, do you want to, do you guys want to just post it online for free? So people can know that, you know, you wrote it and we'll keep going. Wow. And um, then she, and we were, I had said, you know, I have not looked at this thing in years I don't even want to look at it and so then I said to Lo you know if we're going to do this together do you want to take it and do whatever with it so Lo like cut it up uh like cut it in half rewrote tons of it everything and then we gave it to Holly just to read to give the okay to post it online and when she read it she was like do you care if I show this around to some people um, oh wow just, just oh, to get their opinion you know and and we were like yeah sure and um we got an offer on it oh like, in like 12 hours we had what? been submission <laughs> with our YA for nine months and holly sent out beautiful bastard just to a couple oh. editors to look at and it was like sold in a preempt in 12 hours wow. we were like Un- <laughs> and we they, we ran it through turnitin.com it was only 20 percent of the original story so we were like okay we felt okay with this in the in the clear yeah yeah and um uh it was funny because adam wilson who was our acquiring editor wanted to read the original to see if he you know just to compare the two and i was so mortified <laughs> like please no don't eat this thing it was the first thing i ever wrote like please oh don't gosh. 12 hours that's crazy it yeah. was nuts yeah oh. so in addition i mean I hate to keep coming back to like, I'm just obsessed with your process and the fact that you guys are such a well-adjusted duo and <laughs> best friends. Um, in addition to writing all of your books, um, I, I, I understand you guys are also involved in revising the script for the film adaptation of Roomies. Yeah, well, we actually wrote the script. You wrote the script. So yeah. can you talk a little bit about um, what that process was like and if it was different than your, you, your guys' process for, for approaching a book? 
I mean, yes and no. So it was acquired by Oops Donuts uh, Productions, which is mm-hmm. head by Andy Fickman, who's the director. He's done like She's the Man and uh, Playing with Fire. He's just an awesome guy. He's done a lot of Broadway stuff too. So he's a great fit for Roomies. And yeah. his producing partner is Bess- Betsy Sillinger. And then Jenna Dewan on the Everhart side oh. came in and they're producing partners with Oops Donuts. So we met with the whole team and they were just amazing. Like it was just, we all hit it off. Everybody had the same goal. It was just like this easy collaboration. And it hasn't always been like that when we've worked with people up in LA. Um, sure. But, um, but this I can't really- imagine. I can't imagine. <laughs> Speaks in code. But yeah, it was, it was, it was really lovely. And so you know, there was a lot we didn't know. We didn't, I mean, there's just terminology, you know, Joe, like when you're writing a screenplay, it's just a completely different language, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, so we were real newbies. They were very patient with us. But one thing we found was, you know, so we did the treatment, which for anybody listening, I'm sure your listeners know, but that's basically just you're writing out kind of everything that happens in the script so that you know the flow and the pacing and you kind of get that down. And so we, we had never done that before. I'm probably even describing it wrong, but that's what we did. No, that's, I mean, yeah, just to get the, uh, yeah, that's perfect. You know, you know better than anyone else. I mean, come on. So anyway, so we wrote, we wrote that and um, we were like, what is this thing we have to do? But they were very kind. I think the thing that we found when we started writing the script itself was that where with the book, we're writing alternating chapters. There isn't really a way to do that in a script. So it's sort of like she would have it and work on it. And then I would have it and work on it. And then she would have it. So it wasn't, it didn't like cramp our style. It was just like a new way of doing things, which I actually found kind of freeing. It was really Uh fun because Mm -hmm. then it almost felt like we were writing fic for each other. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like she would write a bunch of pages and she would send it to me. And I was like, oh my God, I have like 15 pages of the script to read. You know, it was just, it felt like so exciting. So we'd been back and forth a bunch with the producing team um, on edit notes. And I mean, we probably did like seven or eight versions. Yeah, of course. And then um, Village Roadshow came on last summer. And so then we had a round of studio notes, um, which were great. That was actually really fun. And so we're sort of in that process now of like, little minor tweaks right awesome yeah awesome so we're definitely going to dive into your latest book the soulmate equation which i loved but i want to rewind a little bit to your like winter book that in a holidays that came Mm -hmm. out with book of the month Mm -hmm. which is where i discovered it and i just thought that was so fun and very unique in terms of how you both played with time and that storyline. And it's just a book that like really stuck with me over kind of the holiday season. So I'd love to know about like where the inspiration for that book came from and also what it was like to be part of the book of the month club community, because so many authors strive for <laughs> landing with something like that. Um, so we had, you know, we'd wanted to write a holiday book and we didn't, it's funny because we didn't obviously know there was going to be a pandemic, but we did know that the election was going to be coming up. So we were going to have a fall book and it was like, you know, what kind of bandwidth are people going to have? So we had decided to write this holiday book and I live in Utah and it is set in Park City, Utah. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of people think that it's like a, like a Groundhog's Day inspired sort of thing. But for us, it's sort of, we were watching Happy Death Day, if anybody has seen that. Um, it is a cute movie. It is so clever. It's so smart. Like if you if you've seen it, it's she wakes up on her birthday and um she keeps getting she gets murdered and then she keeps 
waking back up on the exact same day in the same bed and has to figure out who's killing her. And it's just so smart. And so that's sort of, kind, you know, how we got the idea. And it's funny because we had to rewrite it a few times because at first we had, it started um, like a year later. Mm. So she has the incidents and then it starts a year later. And it was only after we turned it in that we went, I think we did that wrong <laughs> and oh, to go wow. back and rewrite it. And Lo is actually the one who, who um, figured out where May sort of gets sent back um, on the plane. Mm -hmm. And so when she sent, I think the first one to me, I was just like, yes, this, <laughs> this is exactly how to do it. That's amazing. And being book of the month that, that seriously is every writer's dream. It we is. were so excited. I mean, yeah. it, you know, the number of copies you sell is oh. just ridiculous. And it just, yeah. you know, we had no idea what it would be like because this was our first and so far only. Um, and but especially I'm, during the holidays. I mean, oh my gosh, oh, yeah. I know. Oh, it was so great. We just saw it everywhere. And I was like, oh, book of the month. I love you. Because they put that book, they advertise everywhere everywhere yeah. and people weren't going into stores because that's sort right. of what you hope right. for with a holiday book is that you get those like holiday shoppers and people weren't going into this into stores because of the pandemic so it was just like a gift from the universe absolutely speaking of your like books and and where the ideas for these books come from we we do have to i mean obviously we we will talk more about the launch and everything but we do have to talk about the soulmate equation which is so interesting and I says a lot, I think, I, I think is a definite for like foreshadowing for the future of dating, but can you talk a little bit about the book and where that idea came from? Um, in sorry, my son came in and was like waving at me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Does he want to be life. on? He yeah. can, he can. Homeschool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Christina, you take this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so um, Soulmate Equation is set in San Diego, which is uh, great because that's where Lo and I um, met was a San Diego Comic-Con. So it's sort of like my second home, California is. Mm -hmm. So um, we had been talking, the original idea was we were going to have two people who were on a dating show because anybody who writes knows that sometimes the, what, the idea you come up with in no way resembles the final project. So sure. we were going to have this idea of this dating show and these two people didn't like each other, but the audience loved them and stuff. But we had just done a book that was about Hollywood. So we had to change it. And Lowe had been following the Theranos um, stuff oh, that was yeah. happening with the biotech, you know, oh. and the trial that was coming up and all of this. And so I watched the documentary and we were talking about how this thing that like could really change someone's life, you know, they just, this machine that just needs this tiny drop of blood and can just tell you everything, how, how that could change people's lives. And so we started talking about, you know, there are all kinds of like, kind of DNA dating things, but they're like, they, for pheromones or, you know, all sorts of things. So mm -hmm. Lo is a scientist. She's a PhD in neuroscience and her husband is a biochemist. And so we sort of started talking about, you know, what if there was a way that, you know, you could look at someone's DNA and not find how they match, but if you had looked at tons of people that were considered, you know, long-term marriage, happy, attracted, all of these things, and then find this, the patterns in their DNA, 
mm-hmm. and how, and you would need obviously a giant, and this is usually where Lois sounds really smart because she starts talking about <laughs> all of that. <laughs> I use words like longitudinal. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, please. Um, yep. And how this would change dating as we know it and relationships and even non-romantic relationships because finding the doctor that's perfect for you, finding the, you know, nanny or babysitter for Mm. your kids or whatever, and how it would just be, it would be revolutionary. Well, you can talk about the science. (laughs) (laughs) Longitudinal, just start with that. (laughs) I mean, it was just fun to go nerdy. And I think in the first draft, you know, we probably went a little too deep in the science, but I think I had to convince myself that there was a way that this like could work in reality. And we're so far from that because honestly, I do think it's the kind of thing where you need to find people when they are first meeting and then track them for decades, right? But, and that doesn't necessarily mean that's the only way to do it. But in my mind, it was sort of like, well, if you're gonna look at happily married couples, you're gonna have to find signatures that are there when they've been together for 50 years, but also in people who have just met and are attracted to each other because obviously attraction is a big part of like, you know, what keeps a marriage happy and long-term and whatnot. But it was just really interesting thinking about like, okay, if we're going to make this array, this gene array where they're looking at compatibility and it doesn't mean they're expressing the same genes. It might just mean that they're compatible because they have different, different genes expressed Um, Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever the pattern is, it has to correlate with, you know, these personality tests, these behavioral assessments, these emotional satisfaction assessments. So it was really fun to think about like, what is this business that River has made? Yeah. And, and Jess as a statistician is going to want to really be convinced that this is not just some BS, you know? Absolutely. I thought it, it was, was fun. so believable. I was like, oh yeah, this could happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so going from science to sex, we have to talk about your incredible ability to write a sex scene and just not even, not even just about sex, but just the intimacy that you create between two characters, the kind of aching between them. I mean, it's so realistic. It's not raunchy. It's not over the top. It's just factual, I feel like. But how do you both approach that when you when you get to those scenes working as a duo? I mean, I think you have to use the sex scene to further the story in some way, right? Mm-hmm. So like you can have as much sex on the page as you want, as long as it's sure. doing something. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes like in Beautiful Bastard, that was the only time that they were vulnerable with each other. They could not be vulnerable, but when they were having sex, that was when they were the real selves. And that's rare, right? So that makes it sort of interesting. But I think, you know, what's kind of fun sometimes is, um, is the things that people reveal when they are finally like letting a person in that way. Yeah. And um, for the soulmate equation, it was a little bit of a pressure in some ways because we are writing literal soulmates. Soulmates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you don't, <laughs> you don't want to close the door. Like the Unhoneymooners is one of our books. Mm-hmm. And those characters, you know, we, we tried to write a raunchier scene between Olive and Ethan and they just right. weren't really in for it. Like yep. they wanted to close the door. Not that our characters speak through us because we don't really do that game. But like, you know, it was, we couldn't write a scene that felt believable where, where we were actually like, you know, in Olive's head while she was with Ethan. But with right. the soulmate equation, you couldn't close the door. You had to let readers see um, kind of what was happening to them when they finally um, had sex. And, you know, each book has its own challenge. Like in, in a holidays, it's this like, you have to bring in Andrew and May's playfulness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're like 
comfort with each other. You have to make that part of it. And with Jess and River, there has to be a little bit of the like just ripping each other's clothes off feeling. Yeah. So I think for us, you know, as long as you're staying true to your characters, what's the most jarring thing for me is reading a romance novel where it's like, you know, this very intelligent, but, you know, kind of worldly naive heroine who's like only maybe been with one guy in her distant past. And then all of a sudden she's like reverse cowgirling him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ma- like that's every male writer who has ever that. written a sex scene is like immediately. Yep. I'm like, Completely. come on. It just like it pulls me out as a reader. So I yeah. do feel like if you're true to your characters, that's what makes the scene really hot. Well, you're t- and I think that's fantastic that you talk about it that way because it there is a certain amount of like, like I do think like a lot of I see this or I saw this when I was teaching writing I see this working with clients like male writers so have this and I'm not I don't mean to like pigeonhole male writers but there is this tendency to like write the sex as a the sex scene as a to exercise a fantasy that the author has mm-hmm. where you're completely detaching even the scene itself from your characters in the scene. So it does seem totally removed or whatever. Uh, and it's, it is just so you're so right about it, not only furthering the story, but like really fleshing out like the, not only the world of the book, uh, what the book demands, but like who the, who the characters are not only individually, but as, as a unit, like mm-hmm. it's really critical. That's, Yeah. And like, especially in romance, I mean, romance readers are primarily women. It's not all women, but when we are reading about a hero, we want him to reveal something to the heroine that he wouldn't show to anybody else. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think those are the moments when you're having intimate scenes, whether it's sex or whether it's just handholding where Mm -hmm. he's giving a piece of himself that he would never and has never given to somebody else. Yeah. And for each hero, that's going to be different. And the things that the the heroine or the other hero, if you have, you know, if you're writing LGBTQ books, like those, the the other person needs to be giving something as well. So just like thinking about the characters and what they need and what they would give, I think mm-hmm. it's a really fun part of writing romance. Like I love that part of the process. Absolutely. Let's completely switch gears here and talk about, uh, selling your books and promotion and the idea of building a community. We've actually like on a number of uh, our recent podcast recordings with 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 authors uh, in these interviews, we've talked a lot about um, community and community building. What would you two say in this day and age for a writer that's might just be starting out? What's the most important way to build a community uh, maybe for a potential author platform? Um, I think you have to be genuine and you have to go with, if it's social media, whatever feels genuine and comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. Like Twitter itself does not sell books. Mm-hmm. It might gain you a following, but if you're not comfortable on Twitter, then it comes across that way. Right. The same with TikTok or Instagram or whatever it is. Um, like Lo is so good at our stories. She's just so good at like doing you know, Q and A's and, you know, polls and all of these things and readers love it. Like she'll do something and we'll just have hundreds and hundreds of DMs and it just, it has to be. But I'm like terrible what, on Twitter. Like I just, Twitter, don't, makes no I, sense. I don't like <laughs> Twitter, but Christina's really funny on Twitter. So it's not, you know, again, it's nice to have a co-author who can be like, you cover this. <laughs> Once again, you guys, superpower are, you guys are able to cover all the bases. You're the perfect. <laughs> 
do you but think I mean, you can do company. this though without like say say someone doesn't want to do social media like do you think you can still build a community in this day and age without it so if you're self-publishing, the answer is no, because right. there's no one that's going to see your books sure. if you don't get your books out there. If you have a really strong publisher backing, it's possible. Mm-hmm. I certainly know there are plenty of authors who just don't like social media. I think, mm-hmm. you know, you're just rolling the dice then that maybe you won't build a following right. in the same way. Um, but, you know, it depends on the genre too, because I don't necessarily think a lot of like, you know, mid fifties males who read, um, you know, international spy thrillers are, they care if you're on Instagram. Instagram right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, right. So they need you to be on TikTok. Right. It just took a place. <laughs> they are all over TikTok. <laughs> it just totally depends on your genre too. So like if you're writing romance and you don't have an online presence, it's going to be a little hard because romance yeah. readers are communal and they like to talk to each other and they like yeah. to engage with the authors. So you know, we can really only speak to that audience. And then I will say, it's good to have a presence. Find a platform that feels comfortable for you. Yes. You do not have to do it all. You can yeah. find a space and be comfortable there and live there. Emily Henry has a huge following. She does not have a Twitter account. She's mm-hmm. on Instagram. Right. Yep. And so I think it's totally fine for people to find that space and stick to it. Um, be authentic and don't feel like you have to post constantly, yes. you know? Yeah. Completely. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of that for this launch for the soulmate equation, how will you treat this launch? I mean, we're kind of at a, you know, an interesting time. It's not complete (laughs) lockdown as it was in 2020, but will you do in-person events? Will you stick to mostly virtual or have there been any techniques or strategies that you've found as a duo that works particularly well for reaching your readers? Um, it's funny because we had a book out in March of 2020, like Mm -hmm. it was like March 15th or something, right? No, it was March. I think it was the 24th. Okay. So right as everything shut down, we had a tour scheduled and it was like, it was like two weeks before the tour was scheduled and everything had to be like redone. And then we had, we had in the holidays in October. And so I was hoping that we would get to tour on mm-hmm. for this one, but that's not going to happen. Now I feel like we know what we're doing. It's going to be a virtual tour. I'm sure we'll probably have, hopefully Lo and I are both vaccinated. Most people are getting vaccinated. I'm sure we'll probably have something in person at some point, hopefully sure. this summer, but right now um, it's mostly virtual. It's spread out a little bit. The thing is, I think people are starting to get a little like <laughs> zoom fatigue. Yeah. 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 Um, and the thing that's nice is that with a Zoom tour, people who couldn't travel, like whether that's an author, you know, because like maybe their publisher is not sending them or, you know, people who have kids at night or school at night or work later, or whatever, they can still participate in a way that they couldn't before. So that is great. I hope some of that stays. But man, I really miss going to bookstores uh, and mm-hmm. seeing readers and going to like romance in particular will have these big sort of big group signings and it's like getting to see your coworkers when you get Absolutely. to see all the authors we're like i just want to sit in a hotel yeah. and have bad chicken fingers oh. and gossip <laughs> my face off for two hours oh my God. and just gossip <laughs> and talk and oh 2022 here's hoping uh, yes. i know yes. we keep saying 2022 and i'm like that feels like an alien year that it does it does we're going into summer i mean it'll be here before we know it it's crazy yeah. it is it, it is an interesting point though we were talking about that that earlier that 
it's, and I think this may be like not only for the publishing industry and for launching books, but like across the board, there is a kind of like, I do hope for kind of a hybrid, because I think you're right. I think that the Zoom, I mean, you know, aside from like Zoom fatigue, that the idea of like a Zoom tour, the reach you get is is sure. pretty incredible. Or we were talking okay. to an author earlier about being able to moderate um, uh a, a conversation between two famous authors, one in Australia, one on the other side of the world, audiences from, you know, tuning in from everywhere. That That is a, an interesting component that I do, I also hope sticks around. Um, yeah. What is, for both of you, what's your, what's your favorite part about being a published author? I mean, I think every author, obviously we're all readers too. So, mm you know, being able to be on both sides of that relationship is kind of special because I think you, um, you know, when we get, when we meet readers and they are freaking out about a book or like, you know, they come up to us and have a tattoo of a quote from one of our books. Wow. Like, like that. Did that, that actually happened. Oh, that. Oh yeah. Have, yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Like you, you can't, it, you can't describe that feeling of just being so honored that somebody picked up your book, first of all, and read it and had such a connection to something that you wrote that they like tattooed it on their body. Shit, you know? I'm going to have to go get a tattoo now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, come on, Rhea. Get in the game. <laughs> come on. <laughs> but it's like special, you know? Yeah. I think that part, the relationship with readers is the best. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a least yeah. favorite, least favorite part? Uh, sometimes the, the, just the business aspect Ugh. of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so what like, our whole business is based on is the business. Yeah. <laughs> the sort of, you know, stressful aspect and the things that you don't control. Maybe this period, I think going, we're just a couple of weeks out. Um, mm -hmm. well, I don't know when this is going to play. So pretend whatever yes. date, yes. um, going into that, that pub date and not knowing what's yep. going to happen and things you can't control like if a pandemic suddenly <laughs> happens absolutely um what's been your favorite book to work on together do you have one that just sticks out that you both just love and still think about I mean I can only think of maybe one or two that have that were hard in a way that was that's not fun to look back on and it was never about the partnership it was usually just about like the story itself was a slog or we just like couldn't get it right until we did, but then the process was just like hard. But I think most of them have been so fun. Yeah. But I will say the one that we just finished, it's out in 2022 and we don't have a title for it yet, but we're calling it Adventure Romance. Uh, <laughs> but it's Adventure, X the point, romance. <laughs> but it's basically like Romancing the Stone meets The Hangover. And oh, I mean, that's so fun. <laughs> I, want, I want that right now. <laughs> and we've never written anything like this. Like it is, it is an adventure story. It is like, oh, it. It, we want you to feel like you've just gone to see an Indiana Jones movie, but like with more sex. Yeah. And um, that was the most fun. Like we just finished it. We turned it in April 1st. And I think, I honestly don't think I've ever had more fun doing anything. Will you talk about that a little bit? Because like regarding genre, you, 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 you guys kind of, kind of have dabbled in mm -hmm. a few. what uh, like, have you thought about expanding into even, so is this, this is I like, like adventure like, romance. I like adventure yeah. romance it's is a, like, <laughs> I mean, I, we're lucky that our publisher lets us do yeah. wow, a lot of different things. Um, anyway, sorry, I interrupted Like, you. oh no, no. Like, um, we're writing the one that we're outlining right now is like a sexy clue. 
And <laughs> we could not have written, like we could not even attempt to write Sexy Clue if we hadn't just finished Finding Treasure in the Desert Adventure yeah. Romance. Yeah. Um, so we just, I swear, if you were to ask us our genre, we like, we write, we just want to write books that are like, just let Fine. you disappear for a couple yeah. hours. Mm-hmm. And exactly right. You know, that's basically what we want to do. But so. and, if we, and a- if we aren't having fun doing it together, it's not going to be fun to read. You yeah. Know? So you do, do you have a favorite genre to write in, or is it just really about that? It's just about kind of expanding and and. I think it's changed over time a little bit. Like our early books were very sex heavy, and that was super fun. But you know, sort of by default, the stories are smaller because there's so much focus on what they're doing in the bedroom or on the roof of the building or in the <laughs> office in the or the stairwell. But um. <laughs> But, you know, as we sort of wanted to make our worlds bigger, the plots got bigger too. And I think that became part of the fun as well is how to keep these stories sexy and super engaging and very romantic, but also make their worlds a little bit bigger. And so I think these books, like The Soulmate Equation, I mean, it's a small geography in terms of San Diego, but, you know, the the idea of the science for us was much bigger than um, a company that we had, you know, invented before and so for the adventure book i think making it an actual adventure where they are on a treasure hunt and we had to think of like what are the clues what are the pitfalls like what happens um so you know i wouldn't say we're strictly romance anymore but the books will always have romance Mm -hmm. i love it and you're both so prolific i mean i feel like it's like two to three books a year i mean i know it's not you don't put out three books a year do you but you you seem to write so fast and constantly pulling from these like new amazing ideas um and I don't know if it's just because it's two of you or not but but talk about like a typical writing day or the typical process for writing and turning in a book how fast is that for you both for us we write it takes us as long as we are given, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, we wrote very fast in the beginning. We put um, six books out the first year. And oh my neither gosh, of Jesus. us remember that book. Because we were year. still working full time then. Like oh, it was yeah, we, insane. I don't like, know. Uh, my daughter just, um, she's 20. And I. there are a couple of years I'm like, where did that go? I, I don't remember oh any of that. Gosh. So mm-hmm. one of the things is like, Lo is a fast writer. She could, she can just write fast anyway. But one of the things of having these bigger stories that are more complicated is they do take us a little, they do take us more time. So with we're down, we're doing one book a year. I think we're going to mm-hmm. see how that does, but it's actually nice because things can percolate a little bit more. And um, when we run into a snag, like we had um, like a early editor go through it and she found such a big problem. (laughs) That was like part of the whole (laughs) story. And thank goodness we had time because we hadn't even turned it into our editor editor yet that we could fix that. So we, I mean, we mostly, we're in our offices working you know, almost every work day because, you know, there's just a lot of different things to do. 
But um, yeah, it will take us as long as we are given. This book we're writing now isn't due till I think April, which is unheard of for us. Like, oh, wow, yeah, that is. <laughs> oh, wow. That, that, yeah, seriously. I don't, like I don't, swimming in an ocean. I don't yeah, know what we're yeah. going to be doing. <laughs> we'll do something. We don't Somebody know. Somebody give me structure. Lo is really struggling. <laughs> oh, yeah, Lo, Lo, the uh, structure person is like, I need a calendar. Yeah. And- <laughs> Somebody give me a compass. Like, just yeah, give yeah. Me- yeah. So, I mean, in a perfect world, the movie would get made and that would yes. take up some yeah. of our Yes. Time. So, fingers crossed. You're hoping. 21, yeah. In the meantime, with the, with the soulmate equation, like what is the, what is your, your greatest hopes or ultimate goals for, for that book? Um, I mean, I think I just want people to love it. You know, I would love yeah. if it sold like crazy. Of course, every author, I mean, you guys know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we just want people to buy our books. But really, <laughs> I mean, there's also nothing more satisfying than when people love it too. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I want, Rachel Hawkins had said, I want bored in the airport business traveler yeah. <laughs> has yeah. money to burn and walks up and buys my book and takes it on the plane. Like, you know, that's, you just want anybody who sees it to buy it. So, I mean, that's my dream. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And what do you think people really misunderstand about this business? I mean, you talked about, you know, not always loving the business side of things and we've built an entire business around it because so many people don't know what goes on in this business and how much is out of your control. But what do you think what do you think is the most misunderstood aspect of the publishing industry? That's a whole conversation. Oh, I know. That's another episode. That'll be part two. (laughs) I mean, you know, I think, um, I think the lack of control over some of the process is something that a lot of people don't understand. Like, you know, Christine and I are very lucky in that we have a lot of cover input. We actually design most of our covers and we like send a sketch over and then they like do something totally different, but better, but the same idea. (laughs) We've been very, very lucky. Most Mm -hmm. authors don't get to choose their covers. They don't, some new authors might not even get like a veto, you know? And so I think a lot of it is like the marketing side of it is something that a lot of, especially baby authors don't have a ton of control over. And that can be really hard when you're first starting. Um, But I think a lot of that is having a good agent who will advocate for you and make sure that they're going to fight for what you want and just be clear about what it is that you want, what you like and don't like. I think the more clear you are with your publisher, the more they can help you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think from like a writing standpoint, and I'm sure you guys get this as well, which is that you meet somebody and they're like, oh my God, I totally am going to write a book. Like I, every day, (laughs) (laughs) always wanted to write a book. I just have to find the time. And I think for me, a lot of that is just, it's not that it's insulting because I totally get it, but like Christina and I wrote books when we had small children and full-time jobs. And if you want to write a book, you just have to write a book. So Um, but I also think, again, it's hard. Writing yeah. a book is really hard. And um, so just chipping away at the process is mm-hmm. like such a, um, like accomplishment, you know? Like if you're chipping away at the process every day, you are doing the thing. Good job. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and so what comes after can mm-hmm. be, I mean, that's what we're so passionate about is like really allowing writers to know what they need to know about this business from money to how it all works, to what questions to ask. Yeah. To what they can control and can't control. And it is, I mean, it is a business at the end of the day, you know, we we have a lot of like emotion tied to our, our craft and our creativity, but 
but it is a product to sell. And I think sometimes it's hard to, to wrap our mm-hmm. arms around that really. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I, I, after the process is over, <clears throat> I do feel like also there, yeah, there's typically like incredible naivete or misperception about what comes next, or just like a complete lack of, of, um, self-sufficiency and not really understanding all the resources that that could be available right to them um so yeah that that is what we we love that that part of it as well as as much as we we do love talking about the process itself everything that comes after there there are sometimes a lot more nuts and bolts in in that that part of the marathon um, yeah. That is the that can be the marathon. Sometimes. Well, and I, I wonder how how many authors you you interact with who have published their first book and then have that sort of feeling of free fall. Like oh, oh yeah. everybody. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, yeah. We just had a, a really one of our most successful authors. She hit like number one. She got this huge advance. It was her first book, and then she just spiraled into oh. this depression and just like not knowing what to do next. Not really you know, we tried to kind of prep her for, for what would come, but now she's a little uncertain about what to do next. And I see it happen with so many authors where they get really overwhelmed or they feel paralyzed or, I mean, it's, yeah. And it's such a long game, especially if you, you're reaching for these fleeting moments of success with hitting a list or getting chosen by, you know, an awesome book club or something. And it's, it's about, I mean, it's so cliche to say that, but it's about the journey and the career as a long game and not Mm -hmm. just this like, oh, great. I hit number one on, on the New York times. And then how long is that feeling going to last? Probably as long as you think that it will, you know, I I remember when Christine and I were first writing the first YA book that still hasn't sold, like it's been shelved. It's just on our computers, but (laughs) we kept reading advice from people. Like once you finish your first book, what do I do? It's like, well, you start writing your next book. And I'm so glad that we finished beautiful stranger before beautiful bastard came yes. out because yes. that mm. sophomore book is so hard to write if oh, you're already it's published. Hard. yes yeah. and i think that's one thing that author that that writers don't know that you're right now when you're writing your first book the only thing that you care about is getting an agent and getting that book published yep. but i promise you if you can write that next book while you're doing the querying and you're doing the other stuff just having that next book written will make oh. your life so much easier. Well, and it's yeah. so it's so funny you say that because that's so true in like in in screenwriting as well. I mean, the most common re- response to a a fresh submitted freshly submitted screenplay uh from any kind of development executive or manager is like, "Oh, this what is else great. Do what they else have? you got?" <laughs> yeah, what else yeah. you got? I mean, and you know, we deal a lot with nonfiction authors yeah. who are selling based on their book proposal. So I'm like, just, you know, let's, let's turn it in, but yes, write that book, write your next mm-hmm. book. I always tell yeah. our fiction authors like, great, have like three books, polished, edited, written, ready to go. So we can, you know, you can really enjoy and learn mm-hmm. this process because I feel like sometimes it feels like you're doing 80% of promotion and only 20% of your time is allotted for writing. So really taking the time to write and, and hone that craft, I think is super important too. Oh yeah, absolutely. You guys have been incredible. We love to close out these interviews with a little lightning round of questions. If okay. you all are down <laughs> for it. So for each question, just, uh, if each, each of you could answer as first thing that pops into your mind, um, that would be rad. Are you okay. down for it? Yeah? yeah. All right. All right. Best moment as published authors. Brazil. Brazil. Yeah. 
<laughs> Most important thing you've both learned on your path to publication. Uh, there are hills and valleys. You have to enjoy the valleys and know that, or enjoy the hills and know that there's going to be a valley. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say run your own race. Don't worry about what anyone else is doing. Ugh, love that. Love oh, and don't be a dick. Yeah, don't be a dick. <laughs> uh, the really important. This, that's going to be really small. That's going to be it the is. title of this episode. Don't Except, be a dick. Don't be a dick. Ooh, it could be. Publishing is really small. Everyone kidding. somehow knows everyone. Yeah. And yep. If you're a jerk, people will find out. Yes. yes. Yeah. What is your favorite thing to do when not working? Uh, I don't know what else I want to do. <laughs> My I write for fun, so that's a problem. I like to cook. Oh, awesome. But this is what I said that Lo can write really fast. She's one of those people if she did not write, she would explode. Yeah. Um, I love amazing. to work in my yarn. Mm, I, I love, love that. I love it. One thing you wish all writers knew. Um, how to write a good sex scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, that to write, you have to read. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's good. Okay, that one. I like that. Yeah. This is where it's like, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. No. But it's like, you have to know what's going on. I remember, I don't know if it was lower, somebody was like, you have to read above your pay grade. Mm -hmm. Ooh, so you I can't just that. read your genre. There's yeah. my tattoo right there. Right, there <laughs> Mine is learn to write a good sex scene. That's yeah. right. <laughs> totally. Um, <sighs> if you weren't authors, you'd be a scientist in a school. Yeah, love it. What do you want your legacy or legacies to be? Oh man. Oh man, just that we have this big backlist of fun escapist reads. Mm. Yeah, mm. That, that would be it for me too. Amazing. Wine or beer? Wine. Oh, I'm boring. I don't drink. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's it's great. amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> Fiction or nonfiction? Um, I'm going to say nonfiction because that's what I mostly read. Mm, I'll say fiction. Look at that. Best book you've both read in 2021. Oh, oh my. In this moment, every book you have read just flies right out of I your know. head. Yeah. <laughs> have I read a book? Have <laughs> uh, I ever read? <laughs> I, um, I, We'll give you a rom-com recommendation yeah. that I heard, which is called The Love Hypothesis. It's by Allie yeah. Hazelwood and it comes out in yeah. September and it's super cute. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say this year, uh, rom-com was the X Talk. That one was really good too. Who, who wrote that one? It's X Rachel Lynn Solomon. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. What type of writing would you like to see more of in the world? Oh, Good, um, smart romance. Mm. I want to see more pop science written by women. Oh, oh right. That. Yeah, that's great. Um, who or what has had the biggest impact on your writing besides each other? Oh, see, I would have said low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's so hard. I mean, I, I would probably say say oh I don't even I don't think I could choose one author I think I'm gonna say um our last editor Kate Dresser she's Aww. just moved to Putnam from gallery so she's not our editor anymore which is really Aww. good for us 
I mean, we have a new editor, Hannah. She's amazing. Like we really love her. But I think one thing I loved about working with Kate is when she would come in and do line edits, it was like, she would change just like two tiny things. And it would just like, it was almost like clicking something in place. It just made it beautiful. And she just had a really, she had both a heavy hand, but a light hand, if that makes sense. Like she was not afraid to get in and like mess with a paragraph that wasn't working, but she didn't have to do much to make it perfect. And it was just these like really smart, subtle changes. So I'm going to say that too, because I have a tendency to be very, um, so like self-conscious and have a lot of imposter syndrome. And she was the one who felt like we could go to hardcover. She was like, no, you belong in hardcover. That's where you belong. Mm -hmm. That's where Mm -hmm. you're going. Oh God, that's amazing. And then she laughed right before it came out. <laughs> <laughs> she was driving the ship and she left. Yeah. yeah. Business is cruel. Yeah. Uh, who is well, one author everyone should read? Oh. I mean, I think it depends on what you like. I really love Lainey Taylor's writing. Oh. Um, I think she is just the most beautiful prose. I think, you know, author-wise, Lainey Taylor and Jandy Nelson probably inspire, and Stephanie Perkins probably inspire me the most. Um, Yeah, I think those three just, they do swoons very well and very differently. Yeah. I'm going to say, if you want to be a romance writer, um, Sarah McLean is just the Mm -hmm. smartest. She knows everything about romance. She's at the, the top genre. of her game too. She's at the top of her game. Um, yeah. She writes historical romance. So if you've seen Bridgerton, mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. think Bridgerton, but with like baldier, yeah. more feminist women. And she's just so smart. She just, we, she, we went to London. She was there. She took us on a tour and it was like a, like scandalous tour of London. And it, <laughs> it was so just, fun. She awesome. just knows everything about romance and the genre and the business of writing romance. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Love it. What one goal you haven't hit yet is getting one of our books adapted. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. A good one. Yeah. Amazing. Well, you guys are both amazing. Thank you so much so for sitting down with us today. Um, we'll put it in the show notes, but where can um, any of our listeners find out more about you guys and your work? Well, our website is christinalaurenbooks.com. Got it. Um, the publisher has set up a website for the Soulmate Equation. It's just the soulmateequation.com. And that has all the information about where our virtual book tour is, all the buy links and whatnot. Great. Um, and then our Twitter and Instagram are both at Christina Lauren and we can be found on Facebook at Christina Lauren books, but we have a really fun Facebook group that you can join. It's just CeeLo and friends and it's very active and supportive and just lovely. So oh, that's awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you both so much. You've made all my dreams come true. Oh, thanks for having <laughs> me. This is really fun. So awesome. And everyone go out and buy the soulmate equation. Hey, thanks again for listening to the right way podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and comment and help us continue to deliver the content you want and need. And for more information about Rightway, visit rightwayco.com to get more info on all our editorial and developmental services and sign up for our weekly newsletter where we'll be sharing exclusive content, access to digital courses, and offering proprietary resources for aspiring and established writers. 